Huh. I need to grow a beard like that and learn how to snap, don't I? So I don't know if you know this or not, but if you go to Google, I mean, if you have a smartphone, you can do it right now. If you go to Google and you type in the word happiness, um, 342 million. Everybody say million. 342 million results. If you go to Amazon, I go to Amazon a lot because... I like to buy books. If you go to Amazon, type in happiness, over 68,000 titles related to happiness. Um, maybe, maybe Phil Robertson's right. Maybe we all want to be happy, happy, happy. I would say this. If nothing else, is it fair to say we don't want to be unhappy? Is that, okay, thanks. Hey, Michael. It's good to have you from California. Yeah. Wave, wave at us, Michael. All right, this is Michael. Now, Michael's been out in Monterey. How long have you been out there? Six months. Six months. Yeah, so nine months, but that's really like 18 years in California time, right? Um, so before you leave today, make sure you swing over and say hey to Michael. He's here for a week. Um, what a surprise. Nobody knew he was coming. He just walked in. That's awesome. It's good to have you here. Um, so everybody wants to be happy, or at least we don't want to be unhappy, Correct. Um, we do all kinds of things to try to find happiness. Uh, we will take a job or we'll quit a job, right? We'll marry somebody. We, well, what was that? <laughs> okay, I'm getting to you next. We'll marry somebody or we won't marry somebody, right? Some of you that are married are like, if I could have rethought that whole thing, I'd have just stayed single, Right? Um, we will do all kinds of stuff. We'll keep our money. We'll give our money. We'll do all kinds of things just to try to find happiness. Um, last year, I don't, a man you've never heard of walked away from a million dollars. That would make me unhappy. Wouldn't it make you? Like if I knew I had a million dollars, I walked away from that, I would be unhappy. It made him happy. His name was John Moffitt. He played for the Denver Broncos. And on their bye week, he flew home to Seattle. And then he called him and said, I'm not coming back. Um, You're walking away from a million dollars. He said, I'm just, I'm not happy. I'm not happy playing football anymore. I don't want to play anymore. I'm not coming back. Here's the thing. If he quit football because he wasn't happy, what happens next time when he's not happy? I'm not saying that's a bad choice. I don't think I'd want to get my brains beat in if I wasn't having fun doing it. But at some point, if he's not happy in Seattle with the people he's with, what does he do then? The, the point is this. I mean, we're always chasing happiness. And I don't know when it happened. Just take a quick look around the room, see if people are smiling in church. Now you are. You're like pl- plaster on that fake smile, right? Eee, Jesus. I don't know when it happened, but somewhere along the way in the history of church, we just got this through our head that happiness might not be a good thing. Somehow, if we become a Christian, it's the same thing as not being happy anymore. I don't know where people got that. But you ask them, why don't you go to church? And they'll say things like this. Well, the people that go to church, I don't like them. Okay. They're hypocrites. Okay. I I just, I want to be happy. Why would I waste time at church? At some point, the happy word comes up, and here's what I want you to get over the next month. 
I want us to talk about where that idea came from. Where did the idea come from that you have to pick either happiness or holiness and never can the two go together? That is kind of what we believe. The, the more holy people are the ones that frown a lot, right? They're the ones that look like they're sucking on prunes. But the happy people, they're happy because they're sinning and getting away with it. Somewhere we've bought this lie that you can't be happy and you can't be holy at the same time. Um, so I'm going to start this morning by answer, asking the obvious question. Does God want us to be happy? Turn to Matthew chapter 5. I did not bring the clip, but if you were anywhere on social media this week, you already know the answer to this question. Does God want us to be happy? Because Victoria Osteen told you that he does. As a matter of fact, she told you that you should come to church for yourself and you should worship God for yourself. Don't do it for God. Do it for you because God wants you to be happy. What if I told you she was partly right and partly wrong too? Let's just answer this first question. On your sheet, you've got a question that says this. Does God want us to be happy? Let me ask the men something real quick. If your wife tells you something three times in three minutes, what does that mean? Better do it, right? You're at work. You're sitting in a meeting with your boss. And every meeting for a month, he brings up the exact same thing. It's probably important, right? We're here in Matthew chapter 5. You've heard of this. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. I'm sure that Jesus preached other sermons, but this is the sermon. How would you like to do that? Like your first public sermon becomes called the Sermon on the Mount. Home run. In the, in the Hall of Fame, done. This is his biggest sermon. As a matter of fact, we could probably, as a church, we could probably preach every sermon from now until Jesus comes back on this Sermon on the Mount and be okay. It's all in there. Matthew chapter 5. You can read the whole thing. 5, 6, and 7. It's all there. Fantastic stuff. And the first word out of his mouth is blessed. So we're taking this series, and we're going to call it blessed. And we're going to take a fresh look at the things that we've been given. And just see, does God want us to be happy? Jesus starts this sermon with the word blessed. Not only does he start with the word blessed, he says blessed nine times in nine verses. Think it's important? Yes, right? Yes. Blessed rhymes with yes. Woe rhymes with no. You already knew this because teenagers tell you all the time, don't say no, it's a bad, sad word, right? Blessed. God wants us to be blessed. What does it mean? The word blessed in the Greek can actually be translated blessed or happy. Huh. Everybody say happy. happy. So we would read this different if it said happy are the poor in spirit. Like, do what? Happy are those who mourn. What? Makes no sense. But that word, Jesus is clear. Nine times in nine verses, he used the word happy. I'd say that God wants us to be happy. Still not convinced. So here, get your pens ready. Just jot these verses down. I'm going to go through them quick. Luke chapter 14, verse 14. Jesus said, you'll be blessed. You'll be happy. Acts chapter 26, 2. Paul's writing this. And Paul said that he considered himself blessed. Same Greek word. Considered himself happy 
to win the lottery. No. He was going to stand before King Agrippa. He was on trial. And I don't know what, I've never been on trial. I did get pulled a couple weeks ago because my headlight was out. And it took two cops to pull me over. I thought that was awesome. <laughs> right? I mean, like, seriously, street cred for me because I had a busted headlight. They pulled me over. Like, one guy pulled me over. And when he got done giving me the ticket, which wasn't for the headlight, but actually for the license tag that I forgot to renew a couple months ago, when I turned my car around to come back up, I noticed that another one of his friends had pulled in behind him. And, like, I had two sets of blue lights going. And I was like, dang, this is what it feels like to be a drug dealer. And unfortunately, the next thought I had was, awesome, <laughs> you know. I don't know how you would feel if you were going to trial. I had to go to traffic court. I sat in traffic court. Traffic court's very boring, so I just try to read. I can't read because I get too fascinated with people around me. And like the person that goes up and, you know, wants to defend themselves in front of a person who's not even a judge. <laughs> I just it was hilarious, you know. But I kept thinking, if I had to go to jail, if they sent me to jail today for my expired tag, would I say like Paul, I consider myself happy to be on trial in front of a judge? I don't know. I'm going to say no, but we'll come back to that. Romans chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Paul again is writing this. Paul says that forgiven people are blessed. Same word, forgiven people are happy. James 1.12 says that it's possible to be blessed or happy because we stood faithful in trials. It's one thing for Paul to say going into the courtroom, I'm blessed, I'm so happy, I'm going to stand trial. But then James says when you stand trial and you're faithful and you come back out, then you're also blessed, which that makes more sense to us, doesn't it? On the back end, like, makes more sense. And then finally, James 1.25 promises us it's a promise in Scripture. If you didn't write any of these verses down, write down James 1.25. It's a promise that we can be happy in everything we do. So I'm going to say that the overwhelming evidence of Scripture is that we can be happy and that God wants us to be happy. So we've got to go to number two. Because right now, some of you are like, I don't know if I can go all in on that. The whole happy thing, I just don't know. And the reason that you're having a hard time going in on that, like, does God really want me to be happy, is this. This is the reason. Because sometimes we're not. Sometimes we're not happy. Sometimes we don't want to go all in on the idea that God wants us to be happy because, and I'm not throwing people under the bus, I'm just saying it because it's out there, because of what Victoria Osteen said. We watch that and go, there's just no way that can be right. This thing is not about me. It's not about my happiness. It's got to be about God. And so when you hear me say, God wants you to be happy because we're good Christians, the first thing we think is, I don't know. I don't know if God really wants me to laugh and have a good time. I'm not sure about that. Like, I'm already kind of feeling bad for laughing at you, Paul, because you told us that story about the cops. And now I'm feeling bad because I laughed about that when you said I laughed about that. I don't know. So I get it. Okay? I get it. That there's something about saying God wants us to be happy that just doesn't sit right, especially if you've been in church. Because church just doesn't typically feel like that for a lot of people. So 
that's such a big deal that two weeks from today, we're going to take a whole Sunday and talk about that, okay? An entire Sunday is going to be devoted to this second question. Why are there times when we aren't happy? We're going to call them um, blessing blockers because that's a fun thing to say, isn't it? Do you want to try it with me, blessing blockers? You didn't really want to, but you did. Didn't it make you feel happy, happy, happy? So let me, give you what, let me give you the three blessing blockers today, and then we'll talk about them in depth in two weeks. Sin, situations, and stupid people. I think that sums it all up, doesn't it? Why are there times when we are not happy? It's either sin, situations, or stupid people. Okay, we'll talk about all that in depth. Let me just give you a couple verses to write down so you know I'm not making it up. Romans 6, 23 says the wages of sin is death, which means this. Sometimes we sin and we put ourselves in a position to get a bad paycheck. Okay, we'll talk about this in more depth in two weeks. But just for right now, let's admit it. Sometimes we're not happy because we sin. Because we put ourselves in that position to get the wages of sin, which is death. And death does not make people happy. Am I right? Wow. Wow. You weren't sure about that. I was expecting more confidence about that. I don't know, man. I like sometimes at parties when people die, it's awesome. Okay. Death does not make people happy. Sometimes we find ourselves in situations that just aren't good. Um, the one that came to mind for me was Psalm 22. We won't read the whole thing. But Psalm 22 is where um, the psalmist is talking about how his, the sin actually makes his bones weary. The situation he's in makes it weary. And it's not just about sin because that same psalm points to Jesus. And we all know that Jesus didn't sin. But there are times, I don't know if you've been in those situations, when you're in, in, in situations, in circumstances, where you, you want to be happy, but you just don't feel good. For me, like, throwing up sickness is one of those times, right? I mean, I know we'll talk about specific situations, like, you know, I lost my job, or, you know, my spouse left me, or my dog died, or whatever. But just, I'm being honest, like, if you came to my house, I, I throw up, like, once a decade. I don't like to throw up. You can ask Wendy. Like, I will just about swallow it to not throw up. I just hate. I'm sorry that I had to say that out loud because you, now you're picturing it, and now you're not happy, happy, happy. <laughs> but if I get sick enough, like if I go to the bathroom and you hear retching, I'm sick. And I'm not happy, right? That's a situation that to me just does not make me want to smile. You could come in and play like, the funniest Brian Regan clip off of YouTube, and I'm just like, shut up. I don't want to hear it. You know, like, I'm just not in a good mood then, right? So sometimes situations happen. And then the last one, stupid people, and you're like, there's no way that's in the Bible. Oh, but yes, they are. Proverbs 13, 20 says, if you walk with the wise, you will grow wise, but a companion of fools, stupid people, suffers harm. So two weeks from today, you're already, you've already got people in mind that you're bringing, right? Yeah, you're like, I know some stupid people. I'm going to have them here because they are ruining my life and they need Jesus. So we'll dive into that two weeks from today. Um, But for now, can we just say this? We are not a church. Um, There are a lot of you here for the first time. I want you to hear this clearly. We are not a church. And you can ask anybody sitting in these seats and they'll tell you it's the truth. We are not a church that believes that we need to pretend like there aren't bad days. Okay? So you can come in here on a Sunday, and I'll walk up and go, how's it going? And you'll be like, great. Not really. I'd rather you just look at me and go, sucks. My life is 
awful. Like, I'm not in the toilet. I'm swirling down the toilet. Like, somebody flushed it while I was in it, and I'm almost, I'm just hanging on to the toilet bowl, man. I'd rather you say that, okay? Because we get it. Like, that's just life sometimes. There are, there's sin, there's situations, there's stupid people. Stuff happens, man. I get it. And there are times that we do not feel like we don't feel happy. I don't want you to put a smile on your face and fake it. That's not what we're about. We're very real here. So at least know that while you're waiting for two weeks to learn more about it. Know this. We, sometimes we just, we just don't feel happy. All right? You may be sitting next to somebody right now that doesn't feel happy. Tickle them. I don't care. Do something. So number three, I told you I was going to go fast. Number three, what can we do to stay happy? We're going to spend most of our time here today. Let me give you the simple answer first. Okay, here's the simple answer. What can we do to stay happy? The way to stay happy is to attach your happiness to something that never changes. That sounded really deep. I'm going to say it again. The way to stay happy is to attach your happiness to something that never changes. See, when, we, when we're seeking our happiness in things that change all the time, like stock market, if you're invested in the stock market, if you attach your happiness to the stock market, your happiness goes up and down on a daily basis. Or a couple of years ago, it just went down. And now it's slowly coming up. But then you got a bad day. See what I'm saying? So let me give you the big idea, and then we'll talk, we'll talk through it. Here's your big idea. It's at the top of your sheet. It's a few blanks for you to fill in. Happiness isn't a feeling. And I know I'm kind, I know I'm kind of working against um, the norm because you've been in church long enough, so you've heard this phrase. Well, happiness is a feeling, and joy is not, right? I get that. I totally get that. But Jesus used a Greek word that means blessed and happy, not blessed and joy, okay? So we're going with what Jesus said. So for this series, just kind of take this out of your, don't, don't hear me say happiness isn't a feeling and you're like, oh, yes, it is. You're an idiot. You're one of those stupid people. <laughs> Maybe I am. I don't know, but I'm just going to go with the word that Jesus used. So I'm going to say in your big idea, I want you to get this. Happiness is not a feeling based on circumstance. It's a fact based on the cross. Happiness isn't a feeling based on circumstance, but a fact based on the cross. Okay, are you with me so far? Like, we are literally almost done. Can you believe that? How many cups of coffee did I have this morning? Let me, let's talk through this. Um, I need you to sit up straight. I need you to take a deep breath. I need you to put on your theology hat. Do you have a theology hat? No. Okay. Pretend like you do. Here we go. Because if we're going to understand this big idea, we've got to understand what happened at the cross. Okay? And if we're going to understand what happened at the cross, we need to learn a really fancy theology word, propitiation. You would write it down if you could spell it. And I didn't put it up on the screen to help you. So it's propitiation. Now, I've heard of this word, but in all honesty... I don't know that I could have given you a really good definition, so I did what all of us do. I Googled it. And when I Googled it, Google gave me the definition that Merriam-Webster gave to Google. And it's stupid. Because the definition of propitiation is to propitiate. 
Like, that sounds like something you don't do in mixed company, doesn't it? I just need to go propitiate. I'll be right back. What in the world? What is, what is that? You can't define a word with the word. Like, doesn't Merriam-Webster know anything? So I had to do a little bit more digging. So let me try to define for you what propitiation means. I'm not, I think I cuss every time I say it. Anyway, it means in Scripture to atone for and appease the wrath of God against sin. Okay? Why didn't Miriam just say that, right? What's up with him? So here, here let me say it again. Propitiation means to atone for and appease the wrath of God against sin. I want you to, I know you're in Matthew 5. If you've got your Bibles or if you're on your phone, tap on over to Romans chapter 3. If you're actually in a Bible, you're going to go about four books to the right. If you're on your phone, you're going to be waiting for a while if you have AT&T, but eventually you'll get with us. Romans chapter 3. Okay, I'm going to start reading verse 21 because it's all really good. And, and you're going to get a little, you may get a little bit lost, but we'll, we'll come back and we'll pick you up. It's all good. But now, Paul writes, a righteousness from God apart from law has been made known. I love that. I love that. God is not a God who plays hide and seek. Like he actually wants us to know him. He wants us to know what he wants us to do. I love that. So a righteousness from God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify this righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Everybody say all. all. There is no difference. Quickly look around the room. Quickly, just real quick look around the room. I make you do this all the time. Everybody looks different, right? I mean, there are like, there's winners here, Panther fans, there's losers, Cowboy fans. They're all different. We're all different. But in God's eyes, there is no difference. Verse 23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everybody say all. all. And all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. And here's our verse, verse 25. God presented Him, His Jesus, God presented Jesus as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in His blood. God presented Jesus as the propitiation for our sin. Don't you feel smarter? Like, you're going to be like, I know what propitiation means. What? To propitiate, dude. <laughs> it means to atone for and appease the wrath of God against sin. And what Jesus did on the cross, is that's what he did. He atoned for and appeased the wrath of God against sin. 1 John 4.10. Just keep your finger right there in Romans and... Flip over a couple books to the right, 1 John 4.10. says this, This is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. I was at Bethel a couple weeks ago, a bunch of us were, and one of their core values is that God's in a good mood. Which I read it and went, I love that. Can I love that, right? It just sounds so like unbiblical, God's in a good mood. But then I read where John Piper said it, and I figured it was probably okay. 
huh, what is that? I told Wendy, like, what is it about me? Like, Bethel says it, and I think it might be flaky, and then Piper writes it, and I'm like, dude, that's absolutely right. But I, I brought a picture. This is what most of us think that God's like. You just leave that up there for a little bit. Most of us, that's our picture of God. He's ticked off. He's had a bad millennia. And he's mad at us. But according to 1 John 4.10, it doesn't say, and this is the wrath of God. It says this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation on the cross. It means that God's not mad anymore. Which I just right there blew your, your whole mind. I mean, the entire southern church infrastructure is built on the lie that God is still mad. You better go to church. If you don't go to church, I mean, God's already in a bad mood. You're going to make him even madder. We approach God like kids approach their parents asking for a favor. You want to borrow the keys to the car. So like y'all are back in the room. You're like, this isn't a good time. You get your mom in on it. Hey, come here, mom. Go get dad a pack of Swedish fish. Why? Just give it to him. Somewhere around the fourth or fifth chew, we're going to go ask him for the car keys. He'll be in a good mood. He might say yes. That's our entire view of Christianity. Do you understand that? We wholeheartedly believe that we better catch God on a good day. We already did. It's called Calvary. That was a good day. That was the day that Jesus became the propitiation for my sin. On the cross, Jesus said these words, It is finished, done. Which means this. If God is still mad at us over our sin, Jesus lied. And I'm not sure I want to go there theologically. Now, I'm not saying that there's not still a price that we're paying for our sin. I mean, again, just look around the room. Sin situations and stupid people, some of who are sitting here. We do things all the time because of our sinful nature, and we have to pay the price for that, even though Jesus paid the price on the cross. I get that. I'm not saying that we just get off Scott, but he's not mad at you. The whole thing on Calvary was not motivated by his anger towards you, but by his love for you. He, he was wrathful against sin, and he sent his son to appease that. Everybody say propitiation. propitiation. Huh, you said it like a southerner. Propitiation. So here's the way to stay happy or blessed. And we'll, again, we're just, we'll unpack some of this as we go through this. It's like a four-week series. It won't, you don't want to miss these. And you're going to want to bring people. So the way to stay happy, the way to stay blessed is to attach my happiness to what will not change. And what will not change is what Jesus accomplished on the cross. Do you understand that? Do you see that? It will not change. So if I attach my happiness to the cross... Everything around me can go crazy. I can have good days, bad days, whatever, but it will never change. 
We did Acts. We were in Acts for like 35 weeks. How many times in Acts do we read crazy people in Scripture that said stuff like this? I am so glad that I was persecuted for Jesus today. It's in the Bible. And we read that and go, these jokers are smoking crack. No, they're not. Their happiness is attached to what Jesus did on the cross. And that never changes. Let the city come in. Hey, let ISIS come in. I don't particularly want to be beheaded. But if I was, would Wendy be happy? Would she be sad? How would she feel? Well, I'm, she'd cry for a day or so. and She'd mourn, but not as if she didn't have hope. I'd be happy, happy, happy. Because I'd be with Jesus. And she would also be happy, happy, happy. Because her salvation in Jesus does not change because of what happened to me. Do you see how what we do? We attach our feelings to external circumstances that are always shifting. What time of the month is it? Oh, no, monster, right? But when we attach it to the cross, <laughs> Wendy's listening now. When we attach it to the cross, that never changes. So here's, we got to close it. I'm going to make a really bold statement. I want you to listen to me, okay? I'm going to make a really bold statement. You can't, you're like, any bolder than what you just said, stupid person? Here's the bold statement. You cannot really be happy without trusting in what Jesus did on the cross. You cannot really be happy without trusting what Jesus did on the cross. You could try. But eventually the things you hope in will make you happy or sad. You're fired. Your team loses. You can't stop doing the things that you secretly hate being a slave to. I thought about this analogy. I want to make sure that it makes sense to you. If you were sentenced to die, either death penalty or let's just say the doctor said you had cancer. If you were sentenced to die and suddenly somebody could come in and take your place. And you did not die. How would that change everything for you? If, if you were sentenced to die, somebody took your place, it would be hard to have a really bad day any day beyond that. Wouldn't it? If you kept reminding yourself, wait a second, like this is a bad day and I'm supposed to pay this bill and I don't have the money, but you know what? In the whole scheme of things, I'm supposed to be dead anyway. And when somebody steps into your place and takes a death sentence off of you, every day past that moment, there's not enough bad stuff in the world that could ever counteract the good thing that Jesus did on the cross. Everything changes. Happiness is not a feeling based on circumstance. It's a fact based on the cross. And so this morning, the series. The first day, I'm calling you to choose to follow Jesus. I'm asking you to trust in what he did on the cross. Because everything we talk about from this day forward will not matter to you at all. If you've not first made the decision, I'm trusting in what Jesus did on the cross. What he did will never change we already read Romans 4, 7. It says this. The promise is that when our sins are forgiven, 
we are blessed. Or, in the words of Duck Dynasty, Phil Robertson, we're happy, happy, happy. <laughs>